But then I realized the thing that I might be a little bit uncomfortable with sharing is might be the very thing that sets me apart. And, mm -hmm. and so it's part, you've got to embrace that thing that actually makes you, you, because that's now part of your story. And it might, and it might actually set you apart from everybody else. And that might be the one thing that makes you completely relatable and, and why people might even listen to you. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast today, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. I wanted to mention, because I was talking with one of my guests today, and she said, you know, I love listening to this show, but sometimes I forget all the episodes that I've listened to in the past, and maybe now I'm at a different place in my career, and I really want to go back and listen to some of those, and those would really maybe hit me differently than they would have when I first listened to them. Or maybe I skipped over them because I felt like they didn't really apply to my career right now, but maybe now they do. So I want to encourage you. We have 40 plus episodes right now of the Female Entrepreneur Musician, and they're all so different. So I encourage you to go back and look back at some of the episodes that maybe you skipped or maybe you listened to and remember a little bit of, but you don't remember all the great golden nuggets and go back and listen to those and just really listen for the things that can help you in your career at this moment. You know we are available on iTunes, so you can subscribe, so you can get every new episode in your inbox every other Friday, or you can always just go to femusician.com and check out all the newest episodes and older episodes there. So today I'm talking to a really unique kind of artist because she may be living the dream for some of you in that she never tours and she does not perform live. She only sells her music online. So maybe some of you guys just don't want to go out and tour, and this story will really interest you. She also was able to raise quite a bit of money in a crowdfunding campaign, never having performed for any of her fans. So this is going to be a really cool and unique take on the music business from Leah McHenry. So let's find out a little bit about her. Leah McHenry is a Canadian symphonic metal singer-songwriter, author, entrepreneur, wife, and homeschooling mother of five kids under the age of 10. Leah was able to gain an international fan base, raise over $27,000 in a crowdfunding campaign, and now makes a living with her music, despite never having done a tour and strictly marketing her music online. Leah is passionate about the new music industry and the opportunity for artists to harness the power of the internet to achieve success. So here's my super fun interview with Leah McHenry. So that's a little bit about Leah McHenry. So Leah, is there anything that's not in your bio that you want to share with our audience that's maybe a little bit more personal? Sure. Well, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, I've been married for 10 years um, as you know, I've got five kids and we homeschool. So family is really my life. 
And um, it's funny because of all the people in the world, I think I should not be having success in music because the, the, <laughs> the odds have, are were pretty stacked against me just just from having so many kids. But my, you know, not having a lot of time, I don't tour and I don't even play live right now. So, you know, in the old music industry, I not I would not have had any success. So um, I'd still be totally unknown. My music would be undiscovered. So I hope I hope that this chat that we have encourages people because I'm just a really normal, busy mom like so many others. Well, it's because of that that I wanted to interview you because I'm like, that is so true. Like, you know, what people's idea of what success means in the music industry, I have a lot of people come to me and like, you know, they say, everybody basically says you have to give up everything to pursue music and I'm not in that kind of place. I don't want to be in that kind of place. And does that mean I can't be successful? And you are living proof to the fact that you can. Exactly. I, when I first was considering pursuing this, I, I thought it would be one or the other. When I first had my first baby, I was like, well, I guess that's it. I, I'm going to have to, it, it would be either music or family and I have to choose my family. And I realized now that that was a real false dichotomy. Yeah, that's true. And then it's hard because I remember when I had my first baby, I was like, I gave up, I gave up all my music for a while and it lasted about six weeks. And then I was like, I can't do this. Like I have to have music in my life somehow. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that happens, you know, that happens every time I have a baby, you know, you take a break and stuff. But then the funny thing is I always found that postpartum hormones gave me this crazy creative surge and I'd be writing up a storm. So it just ended up being uh, kind of funny how that worked. So how did you get started in music before all this family and, you know, everything else? What was your first impetus to start with music? Well, I've been writing songs since I was a preteen. So it's always been in my blood. And um, I always wanted to be a professional singer. But I didn't actually begin my public music career and never put out an album or anything until way after I was married with kids. So I pretty much did it backwards, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of did it backwards too, because I, I wanted to do music all those years, but I was working full time and I couldn't figure out how to make the music happen. And it wasn't until I was home with kids and I had more time, I had more time to write, I had more time to really focus on figuring out how to to actually make a career in music that I actually did it, you know? So, but then it's like, okay, but I have this two-year-old. So I would then drag her on tour with me and stuff. And luckily you figured out how to do it without doing that. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure there are people that maybe they could make that work, but we started having lots of kids in a row. So then that just quickly uh, was not in the picture for me. Yeah. I had mine five and a half years apart. Mm. So yeah, I dragged my first one on tour with me. And then as soon as I got pregnant with the second one, that was, of course, my most busy year because you build up, you build up, you get all this following. And then you're eight months pregnant going, what am I doing? Yes. <laughs> I have this full schedule. And so then I didn't do anything. Like I just didn't want to book anything for the first six months after I had the baby. And then I was like, okay, I want to get back into this again. And I dragged that one around for a while. And then finally I said, you know what? I need to take a break from this. Mm. But, you know, that doesn't mean music is over. And I'm obviously doing it in a different way now, helping out other musicians and the radio station and all that. So, um, in fact, I have to say this is the eight year, this weekend is the eight year anniversary of Women of Substance, which oh. I can't believe. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I know I had you on there, oh, probably two or three years yeah. into, you know, when we started. So 
I'm really curious how you got into the genre that you're in. Cause you've kind of, I mean, there's not a lot of people that do, what is it you call it? Orchestral metal. It's, it's symphonic metals. Symphonic metal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have like a lot of different influences in my background. I was kind of raised on the doors and, uh, Jimi Hendrix and stuff. My dad was an oldies fan, but he was kind of a rock oldies and then my mom's side was really into more of gospel and soul stuff. And so, I don't know, that's some people will sometimes hear a little bit of soul influence in, in my vocal style, but I was always drawn to the heavy stuff. I don't know why. And then um, I also, in my teens, was just super into the, I just love like the Celtic stuff. So like Enya and Lorena McKennett and stuff. I just, oh, I love it. So I ended up just when I was getting into the music, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Because I really have a broad range of tastes. And what I decided to do was um, just kind of fuse my influences together. Not, don't try to be any particular one thing like pop or, or just metal, but why not just put the best of all those different worlds that I love and put them in together? And then I found out, lo and behold, there's actually kind of an umbrella genre Within, you know, within like big genres, there's subgenres, and then b below those, there's even micro genres. And so, um, symphonic metal is a subgenre of just metal in general. You've got thrash, you've got, I mean, everything under the sun. So, symphonic metal is just incorporating, um, yeah, symphonic type instruments. Um, it's a little bit more dramatic. Think of like Phantom of the Opera, but with distortion or something. And so, it's, it's theatrical and, um, and then I, I also just melded a little bit of those Celtic influences. And uh, like I said, sometimes you'll hear a little bit of soul come out in my vocal style. But um, yeah, it just, it just was a matter of putting together my favorite things and, and really focusing on what, what kind of music would, if I heard it, would I love this? And, um, and then just kind of focusing on that. And, and trying to find that identity was a bit of a process, too. It, it wasn't my first album. I, I didn't have a real solid identity. So that took a little bit of time. And then, you know, looking at the fan feedback and then studying, you know, my market. And then once I did that, it really helped solidify what direction I was going in. Mm, well, that's good. Yeah, you definitely want to figure out what your fans want. Mm -hmm. So that's a good idea. Um, so how do you balance this? family and, and music. I mean, and homeschooling, homeschooling five children under 10, trying to, to record and promote and all the stuff that you need to do to be successful in music. And then obviously be a wife and have a life and all that. How do you balance that? Yeah, this is something I get asked about quite often. And it's really about knowing what season you're in. And, um, I hope any musicians that listen in will will hear me on this because I realized something really important, and that is um, that multitasking is really a myth. <laughs> that sounds mm -hmm. funny, but I think a lot of women believe we're like born multitaskers. And uh, but I've seen some studies now showing that like the brain does not operate that way. It really has to choose which sole function to focus on at one time. And so what we think we're, we think we're multitasking, but really our brain is just jumping back and forth from one task to another really fast. And I, and I realized that's really an inefficient and draining way to accomplish stuff. And so, I mean, I've learned this the hard way, of course, but, um, so as far as like balancing, um, my music business with kids and a lot of demands and all that, I realize I've got to be really extremely purposeful and self-aware of 
the season of life or the season of productivity that I'm in. So I can't be doing 500 things plus a Kickstarter campaign, plus writing my album, plus working full time or, you know, driving your kids to karate, shooting music videos and skydiving all at the same time. You can't. That's that's (laughs) insane. You can't do that. So, you know, and for in my life, um, like our homeschooling is fantastic for a musician's lifestyle because we have so much flexibility. So like we pack a whole school's days worth of work into just a few hours. And so my kids are really excelling. They're ahead of the game. They get to do uh, a lot of things that they're just interested in. And and we skip the busy work. We get to the good stuff. And so that provides me with so much more time in the day to do other things and for them to do other things. And so, you know, I'm not always writing music. I'm not always putting out an album. I think you need to have a Sabbath from time to time. You got to rest the right side of your brain from time to time. And and during that time, that's when I'm focusing on other things like building the relationships with my fans and building your tribe and doing interviews and learning all you can about the music business and that stuff. So and then when it's time to write and get serious, I, I drop the other stuff a little bit and I go hard on the music. So like something has to give basically. And I think that's completely fine so long as you're just self-aware and purposeful about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can definitely hang back on really engaging with your fans and just have like maybe, you know, a little bit of a regular communication with them, but not as much as you did before, just so they don't forget you, you know, while you're in that intense season of writing. Oh yeah. And, and that stuff in that tense season of writing too, you can be giving them updates and stuff, but it, it might not be your sole focus. Like it would be in a different season. Right. So was there any time when you first started that you were like overwhelmed and like, Oh my gosh, I, I can't, how can I even do this? You know, where do I even start? You know, was there a time where you just felt like you wanted to give up or you felt like you were just hitting a wall? And, you know, how did you push through that? Because I think that's really helpful to any struggling musicians that listen to this show. Yeah, definitely. I, I really think that the first big struggle that I faced was even before I created my first album, you know, I already had two or three kids at the time. And I was really feeling like, Maybe I'd miss the boat, you know, like I'm not, I'm not my skinny pre-baby self. <laughs> I've got the, the baby weight still lingering and here I am changing diapers all day, which is, you know, so not sexy. And, you know, there's no way I could afford to get on a bus and tour and take my family and all that. So I was feeling kind of depressed that like I'm, I was never going to get to actually pursue my dream that maybe no one would even hear my music. And so I think I I always figured, well, I'll always sing and write, but maybe I'm going to have to settle with it just being a hobby or something. And I really feared that my music would stay undiscovered in my basement forever. So um, and that was just around the time that Facebook just started becoming a thing, like, you know, everybody was joining. And so, you know, this was before social media was being used like it is now for musicians. And, um, you know, little did I know that 10 years later, this would be all I'm doing. And um, yeah, so I I think just the limitations that I had put on myself before I had even really attempted was was my was that I couldn't do it because of X Y and Z, and X Y and Z um, have ended up being a part of my story now that I I don't mm. that I don't run away from it anymore, and I I embrace it and I go with it. That's a good point. You're not pretending that you, you know, 
don't have five kids and that, you know, you're just, you're this, this musician, you have this mystique or whatever, you know, you're being yourself. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was hard for me at first. Like, I don't want people to know that, you know, during the day I'm cleaning up throw up and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you do as a mom, you know, it's like, it makes you feel like there should be this mystique around a musician that like they live this cool life. Mm -hmm. But I'm finding that it's a lot more interesting to people that musicians actually do everyday things and and live a life similar to theirs. It's just that they've got this creative side and they can they can create things that are greater than themselves. Oh, exactly. I I totally went through actually quite a while where I thought, well, I don't really want to talk about my kids too much. Not that like I'd ever I'm not afraid of it, but I a little bit just like, well, um, it's not cool. You know, being a mom isn't cool. Like, you know, and I, when we homeschool, so now that makes me weird too on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) So there is that, but, um, but then I realized the thing that I might be a little bit uncomfortable with sharing is might be the very thing that sets me apart. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's part, you've got to embrace that thing that actually makes you, you, because that's now part of your story. And it might, and it might actually set you apart from everybody else. And that might be the one thing that makes you completely relatable and, and why people might even listen to you. Yes. Very, very good insight. And I definitely encourage that in artists. So was there an event or something that, that really made you kind of feel like you had a breakthrough where you where you moved forward into something that you would call a career versus just kind of dabbling? Well, um, I can't say there was one particular event, maybe a series of events. Um, but a lot of it was, came down to like an everyday decision and, or like a resolve that I'd made, which was to figure this dang business out and, and, <laughs> and make it work for me. I had to make it work for my life. And if anybody knows me, they know I'm such a determined woman, I have a lot of drive. And um, that's when I I pretty much started getting business training outside of music, not even related to music, but just a lot of general principles on how to work smarter and not harder. And and the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur or businesswoman is that these principles work across the board in any business. But I found out, especially in the music business, they work. So, um, you know, things like leveraging your time and, and learning to even outsource certain things instead of doing everything yourself as much as we want to a lot of times. You know, sometimes it can be a better use of your time and money to hire someone else to do something, you know, rather than trying to create graphics yourself and that kind of stuff. Um, But it can be a little bit hard to let go. So I'm still working on that. But um, and then as far as like, you know, when it as far as a one big event, when I when I really um, succeeded on that on that crowdfunding campaign, I was like, I that just blew my mind. It totally blew my mind. I was like, you know, and now and now I was work I was working with musicians that I'd always wanted to work with, and that felt like this this has changed everything. So, but I I feel like that was all a result of of working those business principles that I'd learned, and and so like they did it wasn't a fluke it was because i was diligent and i and i really was consistent in what i was doing absolutely and that's why i created this show i mean obviously it's called female entrepreneur musician and so i want people to understand that they are entrepreneurs they are business people if they're musicians everybody that is a musician actually owns a business and you figured that out and you really embraced it and that was what allowed you to have that breakthrough, breakthrough, I think. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. 
So let's talk about that crowdfunding campaign. How did you do that? Had you already built up a fan base? And if so, how did you build that fan base before you had a record? And how did you get people excited about jumping into the crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, at the time, um, for for my genre, um, my following was pretty decent at the time when I did it. I wouldn't have launched it if it wasn't that decent. I had a nice little mailing list, not huge, but but the thing was is that the people who were on my mailing list, they were my super fans. So not a bunch of people who didn't care. They weren't irrelevant people. They were people who really cared about my music. So that made all the difference in the world. And Yeah, I want to pull that out real quick because some people think they're just going to have no fan base and launch a crowdfunding campaign. And I think that's just a fruitless effort mm. because you need to have some super fans that are willing to kick you off with this crowdfunding and share it with friends, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's not, you know, the, yeah, the scenario where they think, you know, if you build it, they will come. That is false. <laughs> that is not how it goes. And, and so you really have to have that, that fan base first. And so there's a lot of things that you can do ahead of time to get that. And it might, it does, it's not going to take years necessarily. Um, and especially with like, if your music, I mean, has to be good, people have to believe in you. They need something to believe in. Otherwise you're asking for blind faith that, you know, if, if they don't know if you're any good, then, um, you can't, it's hard to ask people for money if they have no idea what you sound like. You know, there's people that are trying to do this and they've never even put one song out. So I'm not, and I don't think that you have to have um, a super crazy, amazing recording. You could, I mean, there's a lot of people uploading stuff to YouTube, you know, just webcam and their piano and their vocals, and they've got millions of views. So it doesn't have to be mind blowing. It just, it just has to be good. People have to, to love it and they have to have something they can put their faith in. People want to put their faith in artists, they, but they need something to go off of. So, and then, um, having, having a way to communicate with those people and then getting those super fans on your mailing, mailing list where you can be communicating with them um, all the time, that, that's super important. So how did you create something so people could know what your music sounded like before you had a record? Because your genre is obviously very instrumentally complicated. You know, did you create something at home or did you just pay to get at least one song produced or, you know, how did you get the original fans that you had before the Kickstarter? Well, I had already put out, uh, a full length album before I ever did a Kickstarter. Um, okay. so, and I, I was using the Indiegogo platform. So I had already built up, um, some pretty loyal fans, uh, around the world through just discovery and all that. So that's, that's what I was working with. And they were already ready. Like when, when you do a, a crowdfunding campaign, we've got you, you know, it was like, mm. but for people who don't have a huge budget, yeah, get one to three songs. You got to have something to go off of. People need something. Yeah, for sure. They're not going to support music that they don't know what it sounds like, you know, mm -hmm. unless they just really like you for some reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome hair or something. Right. <laughs> So throughout this whole process, did you have a mentor that kind of gave you a roadmap of, of where to go with this or were you kind of figuring it out on your own? Well, a lot of it has been just real world experience for me. Um, my, the mentors I've had have been more like distant mentors, um, other business women that I study 
that just um, have taught me a lot of principles about just success in general. And so, so who do you, who do you like on that score? Um, I love women like uh, Danny Johnson. I don't know if you've heard mm. of her. She's just I have. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. So just general business stuff doesn't matter what business you're in, but that the stuff she teaches is phenomenal, and um, it just applies across the board. Even just the way you relate to people and psychology, and just a lot of really great stuff. Um, I also love Shalene Johnson. I was going to yep. say, I'm also a big Shaleen Johnson fan. Yeah, exactly. So business women like that, I I study them like a hawk because they, they're just, those are my role models. That's who I look up to. Um, and, and it doesn't, it, like I said, it applies amazingly to music, which a lot of people might not realize is that business principles outside of music apply to this. Definitely. Definitely. You, you really need to to study. And it's good to kind of study things outside of music mm-hmm. that aren't like necessarily focused on music. So you can kind of see it in a real world, big picture and then think, okay, how does this apply to music? Mm, yep. What is the most mind blowing experience that you've had in your career so far? Mind blowing experience would be raising over $27,000 was definitely mind blowing. I, 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 I had yeah. to pinch my, I mean, and don't forget. I mean, I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom of five children. I don't tour. I don't play live. I didn't have a team of people helping me. So that was wild. I was like, did that even happen? I still can't believe it. And then um, working with the musicians that I got to work with after the fact was um, and and in my little genre, they are very well known. And that's the key um, that I think people need to realize is it's not about everybody knowing who you are. It's about the right people knowing who you are. And so, um, for me getting to work with the right people in my genre was a uh, mind blowing. And then, and then this year when my husband was actually able to, um, uh, pretty much quit his job because we're, we're doing well with this. So, and doing this together as a team effort. So that was mind blowing. We were shocked. Like, did that even happen? Wow. That's really mind blowing. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So does that mean you have a complete steady income coming in from music every month that you feel comfortable to do that? Yes. Yes, indeed. Wow. Can you break that down? Like, uh, you know, how, what are the streams of income that make that up? And, you know, how do you know it's, I think it's hard to, in music to, to have a base where you know that something is coming in every month. So I'd love to hear that breakdown. Sure. Basically, um, I have, I know there's lots and lots of different streams of income for people. And I really focused more on five particular ones that have been more relevant. Like for me, if I don't get results from something, I move on. But if something's working for me, I really dig in and, and figure out how I can maximize that. So basically, physical merchandise, so stuff that I sell online, and also I have a, a European distributor over there um, out based out of Sweden. But um, most people are selling physical merch at, at shows, which, you know, I don't perform live. So I've, I've had to really come at it as an angle, at an angle and ask myself, you know, what would make somebody buy physical merchandise online for me, even though I'm not a show? And so, you know, I realized the key was super fans, obviously, and, and you, you are uh, amazing at talking about that stuff. So... Um, physical merchandise, um, the digital sales and digital, any anything digital that you could download. Um, then there's the royalties and then um, helping other artists. 
So doing some coaching and stuff. And then my virtual fan club, which is really what I'm going to be focusing on. Actually, I think that might be the one sole thing I focus on in this coming year is the virtual fan club. I think that has huge potential. So between between those five things, yeah, we are we are uh, this is a full time business. Wow. Now, how does the virtual fan club work? Is that like a Patreon kind of thing? And do they get delivered stuff every month? Um, actually, I have I'm using Bandcamp and then I'm also in the middle of uh, designing my own uh, custom website. So because I really um, yeah, you could do Patreon. There's lots of different platforms out there. Um, Patreon, Bandcamp. Um, you could even do I mean, if someone really wanted like, you know, low key, you could even do like a private Facebook group or something. But I think um, those platforms are really good. I do an annual subscription. So, and the reason why is because of my lifestyle, I'm not all, you know, I have the creativity ebbs and flows. And so I didn't want pressure like, oh, I have to get out so much content this month or else people might unsubscribe. I didn't want that experience for people. I wanted to be able to, um, they get the whole year and then I'm going to put out everything I possibly can, but it might come in chunks, you know? And and like I might release a Christmas song here and then I might do a music video there. I might do things randomly, but it's all going to be good. And then I do um, stuff like Google Hangouts and anything that um, and yes, I do deliver some like they get like a special VIP T-shirt and they get, um, you know, I might uh, the, the sky's the limit. I have a whole list of things that I'm doing for those people. And then you can have different tiers and different price points as well for people who can maybe only afford a smaller amount. And so they get access to all your music, past, present, future, that kind of stuff. And I, I just think that it's a huge opportunity and that a lot more artists should be focusing on, on that virtual experience of how they could create that community and your own little, your own little culture. Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I think that there are definitely artists I can think of right now that could really benefit from something like that. So are you building a membership portal kind of thing? Yeah, like basically, yeah. So I'm I'm uh so like I'm using Bandcamp in the meantime, but I'm having something built. Um okay. so it'll probably be like a custom a custom website where they can log in and then access all the stuff depending on their tier, right? And um and so yeah, and then I'll be able to deliver content, videos, exclusive um, songs and demos and stuff. I'm even going to let them possibly vote on future songs that might go on a future mm. album. That kind of insider stuff that nobody else can get, you know. That That's very, yeah, that's a great fan experience. Mm. Tell us about your ebook that you just sent me that I didn't even know you had. Um, what, <laughs> what, what, what caused you to write that and how is that going over? Oh, it's going over great. Um, basically, uh, I, I just had a lot of people asking me, how the heck are you even doing this? And 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 a lot about that question, you know, how do how are you balancing family and stuff and and what do you do? And I just saw a need for people to to see that there's a difference now between the old music industry and the new music industry. And I think there's a lot of false mentalities that go along with some of those beliefs that maybe we're still in that old music industry. Like you have to play 24 hours a day or seven days a week and uh, and that all you need is good music and the rest will happen for you. And and I just, part of me needed to dispel that and go, look, look at this. Like if I can do this, I've got five kids. I don't even play live at all. And I market my, my music online strictly. Then think of what could happen for you what, for other people who have more time and have more, um, 
more resources than I do. So people who do tour, I think that's amazing. And that's like icing on the cake. But I'm just really passionate about how the industry has shifted so that um, I've, I actually have an international fan base around the world. I mean, I had CDs going out to Turkey yesterday mm-hmm. and, and all around the world. And, and it all happened through leveraging the Internet. And so it's not that that you don't need good music now. You It has to be good, in fact, because it needs to stand out in the whole sea of the Internet. But the fact is that you can leverage your time. You can leverage the power of the Internet to to work for you while you're sleeping and around the clock. And that's what I got really passionate about. Yeah, it, it is an amazing thing when you wake up in the morning and you've got money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. So obviously you have a very micro genre, but what what do you find is the best way to find new fans online? Is there particular platforms or, um, you know, is it just word of mouth through your fans? Um, I'm just amazed at the fan base that you've built and, you know, how are you suddenly having new fans in Turkey? You know, how, how does that work for you? Yes. Well, a huge key is to really know yourself. And I, and I don't mean that in like a boring self-help way. I mean it in like really knowing your sound and then really knowing your target audience and then connecting the dots. And so to me, if you, if you think that your target audience might be something and you're a little bit off base, I think that will skew your results. And if I, and if you perceive your genre to be one thing and it maybe isn't quite that, that could skew your results too. So the key is to really, really understand. And even like how your own influences in your past have influenced your music today, because that that's changing your little, your micro genre. And so connecting those two things. And then as far as finding the fans, I have really changed the way I've do, I've done things, um, this last year, especially with, especially with social media. Um, my, my focus, you know, I, and I see a lot of artists doing this is using their Facebook page for hundred percent promotion, like buy my music, buy my music, buy my music, buy my music. And I think that's the, the wrong way to go about it. Um, and I, I had to, you know, and I was doing that too. I was doing that too. Um, where I'm just posting my music all the time. That's all I was doing. I had to ask myself, why do people go on Facebook? The reason they go on Facebook is to be entertained, to um, hang out with their friends, to be amused, to be inspired, to all these different things. And what they're not on there for is to get a whole bunch of buy my music promos in their face every day. And so I started changing the content on my page to be more about the type of culture that I wanted to create, which was anything, anything that I like. I might, I might share a video of a funny cat video one day. I might share a, uh, you know, a beautiful Celtic landscape that really inspired me. I might share a whole variety of things. And then a small percentage of that time, I'll promote something about my music, maybe only 10%. And the engagement on my page just went through the roof. And the types of people coming to my page and liking my page and subscribing to my email list were the quality difference changed everything. And so I think we need to think of our social media pages more as little mini communities and little cultures that we're creating. And, and then we're going to attract those types of people to us. And so that is one big, huge thing that I've changed. And I, I've really had a lot of good results with it. 
Yeah, that's really important. I mean, when you walk into a room of new people, you don't like say, hey, everyone come listen to my music. You mm -hmm. know, you would want to say like, so who are you? And, you know, what do you do? And, you know, this is kind of what I like. And, you know, <laughs> and then maybe you can mention, oh, by the way, I have this album, you know, in case you want to check it out, if you like this kind of music, you know, and then go on to something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I just and also talking back with them like I have a lot of activity sometimes on my page depending on what's going on but if I can even just pick some really good comments and just respond to some of them um the one another thing I I really learned is like to um you know if we if we act like our Facebook pages are more of like a storefront or something and and not ignore people like if I was a manager of a coffee shop or something I if someone came into my store I'm not going to ignore them and never talk to them you know I need to be engaging with people. And so I try to do that a little bit every day. If, if you, even if you can only do it for 10 minutes once or twice a day, that that's, um, engaging your, your community. And so I think, um, getting really quality people on your page and fewer numbers of them, as opposed to large numbers of irrelevant people. Like, I, I think it's not the best thing to you know, like and share if blah, 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 or, you know, trying to hold people running contests and stuff to get a bunch of likes. I don't think that that is going to help your music sales in the end because those people are a little bit irrelevant as far as how much they love your music. Are they? And and some of this is about they need to like you as a person, they, you as an artist or a band, like they want to like everything about you, not just your music. And that's this that's part of the new music industry now is that celebrity status is gone. We've got to get rid of that mystique mentality, like you were saying, and, and just be real and, and start providing a, a culture and community that, um, will attract the type of fans that we really want. Yes. Yes. We have to be authentic. People will see through that if you're not, mm -hmm. you know, so how do you actually actually attract people to find your Facebook page? Do you actually do Facebook ads or you know, I think that's the biggest challenge is once you get them there, you know, you can learn to to converse with them. But how do you find the the right person that is going to become your super fan? Yeah, there's lots of really good things you can do. Um, obviously, cross promoting on different platforms is a good thing. So make sure in your YouTube videos, you're you're linking to your Facebook page because a lot of music discovery is coming from YouTube. And so mm. um, making sure that you're linking and tagging correctly your YouTube videos. So a lot of people miss that is that in your YouTube videos, they might just be putting the title of their song and the name of their band. But in those tags, when you're uploading, you need to be tagging your micro genres and your micro niches in there and other similar little smaller bands that are like yours that other people already like. And so in that process of discovery, they can hop over to your Facebook page. I get a lot of traffic coming from there too. Um, and then, yeah, Facebook ads is a huge part of it as well. Um, if you know what you're doing, then it can be a tremendous way to get quality, high quality fans and potential super fans to your page. So there's lots of really good training out there. Facebook has articles and stuff, um, YouTube, and there's lots of ways you can get good training for that. But um, that's another really good way if you can get past some, sometimes it's a bit of a technical process to learn that stuff, but definitely worth it. Yeah, it is. And, and I will again, qualify it by what you said, make sure that you know what you're mm. doing before you start running Facebook ads, because you could, you know, it can, it can be scary and you can yes. blow money really fast. Yes. Yes. You could waste a lot of money. So definitely get some good training. But on the other hand, it is a very powerful tool and I use it in my business and it's, it's amazing 
how fast you can get the word out. I mean, I remember there was one time one of my sponsors for my sponsor of the month, they, they had a, their website designer wasn't ready. And so their website wasn't ready and they didn't want to do their, their promotion of the month. And we were down to like the last few days and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to fill this? This is, you know, this is money that I need to raise because I was being nice to them to let them move their thing forward. So I put out a Facebook ad to just people that were fans of women of substance. And within literally 10 minutes, I had it filled and then I just turned it off, you know, and it cost me like $3. Right. Yes. <laughs> but it's amazing, yes. you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then the key to some of those, that Facebook ads, again, it's going to come back to really knowing your, your music and then, and your target audience. If you don't really hone in on that and know in a detailed way, if you can't get in their heads, it probably won't work very well. But if you need to really basically know what they're thinking, you know, what kind of brands they wear, what, what they're doing when they're listening to your kind of music, um, where are they shopping? Like you need to get in their heads and really put yourself in their shoes and, and see where they're hanging out their interests and their hobbies and all of that. And if you can nail that down, that's really a huge part of the success for Facebook ads. Yes. And Facebook does provide that. If you've got a really well curated, um, group of likes on your page, then you can go and look at audience insights and see what else they like, which is awesome. But you really should know that in your own mind, heart, and soul, if you're really connected with your super fans, who they are and what they do and what they like. And a lot of times they're you, you know, mm -hmm, exactly. They're, they're a lot of people similar to me that, that would like women of substance because I like it. Exactly. And that's what we also need to be doing on our Facebook page when it comes back to creating your own culture and community. You're creating a culture based on what you like, not what you think everybody else likes. And then you're going to attract more fans that are like you that like your kind of music. And then you apply that same thing in your ads. For sure. Well, for this little last little portion here, I want to shift gears and I want to ask you, other than your own, obviously your own um, ebook that you wrote, which I think is awesome, and I'll be putting that on the page. Are there any other books that you would recommend, or courses, or um, anything that you think would be the most beneficial that has really helped you um, with musicians, even for the maybe the business side or the creative side, or you know, a self help kind of thing? Well, there's a lot of really great books out there, although I have not acquired most of my knowledge that way. Um, most of what I've learned, again, has just been real world experience. And, and if it worked or didn't work for me, or if it helped my income, then then I was digging into that. But um, um, yeah, just as far as my as far as books and training and stuff, I most of it has come from outside of the music world. Again, it's a lot of like Shaleen and uh, Shalene Johnson, Danny Johnson, those types of people, um, any any business book that applies to the online world and and even just in the marketing world, that's knowledge that I'm grabbing and taking hold of and going, what is there a nugget here that I can use in the music in my music business? And so there hasn't been there's not really one particular thing. There's a lot of amazing stuff, but I really can't think of it off the top of my head specifically. I know you've got some amazing training as well. So um, yeah, between my ebook and um, your training and, you know, and I'm really focusing on how you can pull this off if you can't tour. You know, that's really my my angle. There's a lot of people who who can't. So other mom um, moms like myself and um, people for whatever circumstance in their life. So that's that's what I'm so excited about is that um, no matter what situation, what walk of life you might be facing, this is still possible for everybody. 
Yes. And I think that's true. You know, based upon some of the training that I do, I'm very big on house concerts because I feel like that is something that you can fit into a family lifestyle as well. I mean, I just, um, on this show just today, I released a, an episode with Martha's trouble and they were talking about how, you know, they drag their kids and they, they take the van and they do a house concert tour and it's fun. Mm you know, and they, and she's also a homeschooling mom. So, you know, they work that into their lifestyle as well. So you don't need to be playing these big, complicated venues that are a headache. You know, you can create your own venue experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. So we have really given you guys listeners so much to chew on today. I think, um, especially those of you that have situations that maybe made you feel like, I can't do this music thing. My life is too complicated. I've got too many obligations. You know, if Leah can do it, you can do it. I mean, I've been really impressed at watching her over the years. So Leah, let them know how they can get in touch with you. If they have any questions about, you know, how you're doing this, if they want to join your, your, um, do you have a name for your super fan club? Oh yeah. They can just go to leahmchenry.com and all my music stuff and my VIP club is there. If they wanted to get in touch with me about um, music business stuff, they can send me an email at xcathedrarecords at gmail.com. Or they could also even hop on Facebook. I've got another more of a business page on there. It's facebook.com slash online musician. Oh, you got a good name there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was smart. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me and for your kids giving you up for a few few hours or a little oh. less than an hour here. And um, just thank you for all that you are doing to help musicians and encourage people that they can do this, maybe not the way that they thought they were going to mm. do it. I'm certainly my career was not the way I thought it was going to happen when I was 18, you know, yeah. but it can be done. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me. It was awesome talking to you. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson. <laughs>